Hello, everybody. I'm Clay Reese, and it's showtime in Berks County on this Saturday morning before this nor'easter comes in. We've got some rain coming in this weekend, but it's still been a wonderful, beautiful global warming year. The last three years have been wonderful with the winters and the winters being milder and, and of course, the less snow and the, the summers being milder. And, of course, uh, you know, just been beautiful weather. Uh, but we are getting a nor'easter this weekend. I hope everybody stays safe. But thanks for tuning in with us today. Uh, whether you live in King of Prussia or whether you live in Perky Omen or whether you live in Jenkintown or or Reading or Douglasville, folks, it doesn't matter. You're tuning in to us because you know, you know, folks, that we have the truth and unpacked in a way that, that you only get here. And then you listen to our expert opinion because you know that we are the truly the authenticity of truth here in Southeast Pennsylvania and the Delaware Valley. So, folks, we're going to jump right into it. Today, we're going to talk a little bit about and, and about what uh, some new uh, some some uh, technology, if you will, the, the electric car technology and the, the energy policy that's pushing us into electric cars. We're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about the COVID vaccination nation and, of course, uh, some speculation as to maybe why uh, Walensky quit as the CDC director, we're going to get into that and what's going on at the CDC and, of course, uh, Vaccination Nation and Boosters Forever. we we get into that. We're also going to talk a little bit about what's going on with the dress code over there in, in the U.S. Senate with John Fetterman because Manchin's looking to create a dress code. Um, and uh, we're going to we're going to get to that. And folks, we're just going to get to a whole lot here. Uh, so just... Tune in here, set, settle in, and uh, fasten your seatbelts as we're going to get jump right into it very quickly. Folks, uh, let's talk a little bit about the uh, cell phones. How many of us have had uh, a cell phone or a computer, but let's use just cell phones for now, that when you uh, plug it in at uh, 71% or 75%, how long does it take a two-year-old or a three-year-old cell phone to charge up at 71 or 74%? Now, we, we answer the question by... You know, we answer it truthfully. We're going to understand it. We have to look at it. But like, for instance, uh, in my phone, when I plug it in at 74% or 71%, literally takes an hour and 15 minutes to get to the 100% long. I don't understand it, but the last 10% takes a long time to happen. Certainly the last 5%. And I think a lot of that has to do with the uh, just the fact that uh, we have a lot of uh, situations, I think, with people not understanding how the batteries work in electric cars and how they're likely to work in electric cars compared to cell phones. See, cell phones, folks, and we know what happens to batteries. What happens is when you charge a battery in a cell phone and, you know, every time you charge it, every time you bring it to charge and every time it reduces again and you bring it back to full charge, there's always, there's just less room there for charge. It takes a little longer for those cells to get fully charged. It just does. That's the way a battery is. And, uh, batteries take longer to charge every time you get into it so for instance a you know a one-year-old a, a brand new phone might take no no time at all to charge up but as you charge it every day and every night for 800 days okay uh you're going to find that that charge is going to take longer to take so when they have this technology in electric cars and you're, you're basically trying to claim that electric cars have this wonderful technology <clears throat> which allows them to uh you know, charge a car and you know and in 30 minutes or less and and i think that's i think that's just great for a new car but as you've done as you've charged your car for like two or three years and you're you're trying to charge it again on a particular morning 
because you know you have a drive after work or something. So you got to charge it. You got to make sure it's got enough sufficient charge. So you got to get it to 100% because if you don't, you won't get the full range of the mileage. And so, uh, you know, when you do that, you're, you it takes a while to do it. And of course, you know, those five minute fill ups at the gas pump are that those days are gone. I mean, even with the quick charge on an older battery, it's going to take well, more than more than 30 minutes, probably close to an hour, depending on how much charge is on that. Because we know what happens if, if the thing is, is really depleted and you're down to like 25% charge, it could take an hour and a half to two hours to charge that thing. So you're literally pulled over for the evening. So what might be a, uh, you know, a, a long drive, like an 800 mile drive that you're trying to make and in 14 hours, uh, that 18 hour drive in 14 hours becomes 18 hours, 18, 1800, I uh, should say, uh, an 800 mile drive and, uh, in uh, maybe uh, 36 hours, okay? Because you got to pull over six times to, to charge it up. You know, to pull over six times to charge it up, I mean, or more than that, I mean, but but just say it six times. Each time is going to take an hour to two hours. Well, six times that is 12 hours or more or thereabouts, and you're looking at uh, an evening. I mean, because pe- people in general don't want to be dealing with uh, charges, okay, that, uh, that take that long. They're just going to want to pull over to a hotel and go for it. Or go to a restaurant, you know, and of course you can't leave. If, if you start leaving before you have a full charge, the batteries get worse and worse. Now, what country, uh, let, let our, let's let our listeners hear this and, and, and select this. What country do we think uh, is going to benefit the most from electric cars? Well, it's going to be the country that produces the batteries and the batteries for those cars. So then you have to ask yourself, well, where are all those minerals and components needed? To build a battery, where are all those? I mean, wh- who has? Well, China has them. China has a lot of them in the over there. They have a lot of those minerals over there in the ground. But they've also, um, they've also, uh, they're, they're the new colonialists of our time. The new colonialists are China. Used to be in years, years past, back in the 30s and 40s, the colonialists were frowned upon. Okay, they they set up shop, if you will. Uh, in countries like France, set it up in Morocco and Spanish and Spain had some Morocco and uh, Italy had Libya. And of course you had Germany was down there in Central Africa and you had the Portuguese down there in South East Africa. And you had the British in Africa. They had all these, all these European countries in Africa set up shop. And they were all basically colonializing the country, making what they could out of it. Um, and, you know, establishing themselves, uh, and, 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 you know, getting what they could out of the country, extrapolating the riches, if you will, at the expenses of the country itself. That's colonialism. That's why it was frowned upon. That's why all these countries got out. And these countries that were occupied as, uh, you know, colonized, if you will, those, those countries are now independent until now. China is the new colonialists. Okay, what China did was China went into Africa and they built hydroelectric dams. They built power plants they built i mean everything they the infrastructure they built all this infrastructure over there they set up all this this they set up shop if you will and they loaned all this money to these african countries who who gladly took it and their goal all along was to get these components because they're pushing this green cretin stuff this this green cretin plan of electric cars they're pushing it china's pushing it and joe biden and his energy department Department of Energy are pushing it. The Department of Energy, the policy of the Department of Energy should be to ensure that this country is energy independent and we have the power and energy we need to power this economy. The policy of the energy policy, the policy of the 
energy department should not and must not be uh, something like, uh, you know, an investment type ideal that uh, will support policy that will help investors and, you know, profiteers, if you will, make money in industry that normally would not sustain itself. I mean, electric the electric automobile industry will not normally sustain itself. It won't without government subsidies. Ask, ask Toyota because they're limiting their growth of electric cars. They're, they're limiting their their development of electric cars. I mean, all these other car companies are, are pushing it, but Toyota's saying, well, we're going to go a different route. And they still have electric cars, but they're not they're not going that way as heavy. I mean, Ford lost Ford lost four billion dollars. It's billion with a B. They lost that in their electric car industry. They lost that in their on their electric car, you know, uh, branch of you know their 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 product line. Okay, they lost that. So China's looking at trying to develop this electric car business, and they're pushing they're pushing American policy. American public policy to, I believe, compromised politicians. China has compromised some politicians in Washington, and they're pushing this electric car policy, this uh, this 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 downgrading American energy output policy. This close the close the refineries and close the close the oil lease policy in this country, um, and uh, to. Uh, drive up the cost of energy in this country to drive up the cost of energy across the world i mean right now oil is selling for 95 dollars a barrel and china's policy is to push that over 100 if they can so they could push up the gallon of gas even higher and if they can get a gallon of gas at five bucks a gallon that'll make an electric car look palatable to people and this is their goal okay as we heard Jennifer Granholm, she actually made the statement. Of course, she is the energy secretary. She made the statement uh, as people were waiting in lines back in 2021 with their waiting for gas because of the gas problems we've had in this country. Uh, she would go by and say, get an electric car and drive by an electric car. Well, uh, these folks that have electric cars also have gas cars. Believe me, they also fly in private jets when they need to. Make no mistake about it, electric cars for thee, but not completely for me. That's their plan. And anyway, so who profits from it? It's the people that have investments in China. It's the people that China has already compromised, if you will, to get them to boost the investments in China. I mean, this UAW, uh, this this United Auto Workers uh, strike that's going on in Detroit has a lot to do with the fact that they're losing their shirts for electric cars. And they know it, and and they're just not happy about it. And they know, then they foresee the jobs going overseas with this electric car investment that's going on in this country right now. These electric cars are going to quickly be built overseas. The components of which are and will be, as I stated, China has all of these African countries that that have these cobalts and all these other all these other components that go in the battery development of automobile batteries. They have all that locked in. They cornered the market down there in China, in Africa. So they're, all those countries are indebted to China. So China's actually waiting in the wings for this, this American policy to kick in and, and outlawing gas cars. I mean, it was the Democrats that outlawed private health care insurance in 2010. Remember, folks? It was the Democrats that outlawed private health care. Okay, they wanted to push nationalized health care. Well, here we go again. The Democrats are outlawing gas cars. Uh, there's 14 states, that, uh, not 14 states, there's a couple of states that have, that have locked into it. 
I know California is one of them. And I believe Massachusetts is another one, but there's a handful. But these states, and, and of course, oh, Biden's already stated his energy policy is to eliminate uh, gas cars by 2035. So by 2035, they're going to have gas cars outlawed. These states like California are already making it impossible, okay, to to buy a, a gas powered car. They're already they're already finding ways of limiting how people who own gas cars can even survive with a gas car. I mean, they're literally changing the, the scope of energy in this country uh, that will incredibly help China's investments and, of course, the country of China's economy help their economic output as they will be the ones making the batteries. We don't have the capacity here to do it. So we as Americans, if nothing else, should stand against electric car batteries because we're not making them here. They won't be made in America, folks. They won't be made in America. Okay? The Chinese are the new glo- the new colonialists of our time, and the mainstream fake news is not even talking about it. And oh, Biden and Democrats are, pro- are promoting this, and they're promulgating this, and they're they're actually uh, pushing for policy that's going to further develop China's economy with electric cars. And and they're going to be pushing these U.S. automakers out of work. That's why these people are striking. That's why they're upset. But I think what's interesting is Donald Trump's going to be addressing, he will be addressing the UAW strikers. He'll be addressing them while the Republicans are debating. Uh, he will be addressing them. I think that's interesting. So he's going to go down and talk to him. And I've already heard Trump make some comments on that. He believes that the UAW uh, union is not correctly uh, represented because he believes that they're they're not looking out for the jobs themselves. And he's got some other ideas. I'll let him explain it. But I mean, I don't need to do that. I, I I'll simply say that he'll be on he'll be on television tonight that the Republican debate is, and I guess he'll be re- addressing these these people and and their concerns because I believe, as I've heard him say and others, I've heard others say that the industry, the electric car industry, is going to push the auto workers right out of a job here in Detroit, here in Kentucky, and everywhere else. They're making cars. I mean, it, this is what's going on, and make no mistake about it. I mean, th- this is going to push the industry right out. This is going to further develop the economy of China. We need to stop coupling ourselves with China. Okay, we need to not make China great again. We need to make America great again. And our policies need to be America first, not China first. And what you're seeing, so the country that gave us the the uh, the COVID virus, okay, the country that mistakenly released the COVID virus out of a out of a virology laboratory in Wuhan, China. Okay, uh, that 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 country that released that virus uh, by mistake also cornered the markets on PPEs uh, in the month of January, while they were lying to the World Health Organization and the world that there was anything to worry about. While they were lying to everybody about this this China virus being as serious as it was, they were holding back the facts on that. And they were cornering the markets on PPP, PPEs. So they got all these pers- uh, all these PPEs, the masks and the gloves and the mat and, and all this, the face shields. They got all this stuff together. They cornered the market on it all. And literally, I mean, they got it all for them. And so there was nothing left. And Trump, Trump had to basically uh, scramble. He organized private industry in a way that we hadn't seen since, since World War II. He organized private industry to get private industry to make PPEs. And literally within six weeks, we had sufficient PPEs in this country everywhere at every hospital as the China virus was was all over the world. 
So the country that gave us the last pandemic is the same country that wants to take over the electric car industry and that they've already taken over the batteries and the manufacture of the batteries. And so they're pushing this public policy and they have perfect passes with the green cretins and, and dementia Joe Biden. I mean, this is what they got. I mean, the bottom line is, I believe that they've, uh, they've, uh, you know, they, they are getting their way with these people. No one in the Democrat party is standing up to China here, folks. No one. And it's interesting because the, the, the striking workers in Detroit are, are upset because they know it's not just the wages. Now they're talking about the wages because their wages have, you know, I mean, the, because the economy is so bad and, and by inflation is so bad, they want, you know, they want like a, a, a giant raise. Well, it's it's more than that. I think there's a there's a dimension that they're not even looking at, and that is they need protections that our industry will not go overseas. That's what they need, and they're and this, these are things that they got to get. And there's got to be a, a a real negotiation going on, and I think Trump's got to be all over the talking to him. I think that's very interesting. But we have to just again understand as the capacity of what's going on with these these uh, you know what's going on right now with the electric car industry and. Why are they not good for Americans? And if you ask anyone that owns an electric car, they'll all tell you electric cars are great as long as you don't plan on driving far. Electric cars are wonderful as long as you don't, you know, run into a scenario where you don't have a fully charged car where you got to drive 100 miles, okay? Uh, which isn't far because they only have a range of about 200 miles anyway. So if you got to go 80, 90 miles out, you got to be able to just get back and you'll have to, you'll have to charge that thing up. So the bottom line is, if you don't have a full charge on it, it's not going to work well. And, and all of us, as I said, as I started to show up, I say, all of us had cell phones that we forgot to charge. We pick them up and they got 60, 70% charge on them. Okay, we all know that. Well, it's not to worry because we get in the automobile and we have a charge there. Or we get to work and we have a charge there. We all have capacities to charge our cell phones. But the electric car is a little bit different. If you don't have it fully charged when you get into it, you got to worry about where you're going to get the full charge when you need it. Like, a, just pretend pretend you're with a phone that has 65, 70% power for the day, and you got no way of charging it. I mean, just think about that. That's that's the limitations that are going to be on us with not with phones, but with the automobiles. And we use our we use our automobiles to get around everywhere. I can't even imagine needing an automobile to go somewhere not having a charge and having to wait an hour or two hours to put a full charge on it. And knowing that if you leave it, it's 92% charged, you've done damage to your battery, and you won't even get the full the full range of travel that you need to get anyway. So, I mean, it only gets X amount of travel range uh, on a full charge. So these are things that we have to understand that it's not economically viable for us as Americans to shift from this. I mean, they're talking about electric trucks now. I mean... Think about that. I mean, they've got trucks. They've got semi-trucks now that can drive over 1,000 miles. Okay, 12, 15, 1,800 miles. They've got fuel capacities to do that. So many of them do. And so can you imagine an electric truck that you've got to pull over every, like I said, every every few hundred miles to fully charge and how long it will take? I, I You know, I can't even imagine the cost of commerce if you go to electric trucks and get rid of diesel trucks. I can't even imagine what the cost of commerce will be to Americans. And, and you know, that, that and what's, it, what's really sad about it is these reprobates are pushing this public policy into Washington through the Senate. They're pushing this on the American public without a media calling it out, without the media giving anybody a perspective that, a real perspective of what this 
of the ramifications of these horrible policies. But but they're, they're leaving off the other part of the equation, which is the economical collapse of this country, the cost of, of everything. So not only will we be living worse, okay, and living going back to the Stone Age, if you will, living, I mean, literally, not only will our standard of living drop, but our cost of living will rise. So you're going to be having a higher cost of living for a less standard cost, a less standard of living, a lower standard of living. That is the amazing phenomenon that people are in this climate change Cretan religion. This is what they have. They're willing to put their own suffering uh, out there because, of course, they don't care. They, they'll, they'll put their own suffering, the suffering of their fellow man, for the saving of this planet. That's the way they look, the Mother Earth. That's the way they see it. This is insane public policy to increase the pursuit, the cost of the pursuit of happiness for every American, okay, and then to to literally lower the standard of living for every American at the same time. So paying more to live worse, okay, this is what we're talking about. That's the insanity of their policy. Folks, this is absolutely ludicrous. We should not even think about going here. Electric cars are a wonderful, wonderful thing if they work. If they once they build something that'll work, we'll jump all over it. What's interesting, all of us, many of us, have probably seen the the, the uh, street lights that that are being installed, and some of the newer street lights that have solar panels that are up there powering this, the street light. <clears throat> now, I think it's interesting on all of that is the, the 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 solar panels themselves are oh probably about four foot or three foot by seven foot or something to that effect. I mean, you've got about, you've literally got about 40 square feet of solar panel, 40 square feet of solar panel for one street light. There's nothing efficient about that, folks. There's nothing efficient about that. So you've got these, you've got 40 square feet of solar panel up in the sky facing south on these street lights to power that street light for free. So we're going to put solar panels on every traffic light, every street, is that the plan? And we'll put, you know, 40 square feet of solar panels, you know, the, to, to power the street lights, just like they're going to power the, the traffic lights, just like they're going to, I mean, if it takes 40 square feet to power a street light, how many square feet does it take to power a home? Like, literally, I mean, you've seen people that put solar panels on the roofs of their homes on the on the, on the entire side of their roof. They take the south, the south roof, if you will, and they'll fill that up with, with solar panel, okay? like 200 square feet of solar panel, okay, or more, or more than that, like say, you know, like 500 square feet of solar panel, 600 square feet of solar panel. How much power do they really get out of that? And what do those panels cost? Well, it probably costs close to twenty-five dollars to $30,000 to put those panels on the roof, even with the subsidies the government gives you. That's with the subsidies. And then you got to ask yourself, okay, well, the way they work is you sell the credits off. It's all about how much, how much production they produce and you're selling the credits off to the power company, so they give you a credit for what's produced, and that, and they use your credit up with your power. So allegedly, it reduces your your electric bill. So why don't we just say, for grins and giggles, it reduces your electric bill by a hundred dollars, or even a hundred fifty dollars, or two hundred dollars a month. It would take you ten years or more to pay off these panels. It would take you closer to twenty years to pay off these panels if you have some, uh, you know, if you you know if you don't get enough sun on those solar panels but no less than 12 years. And everyone understands that most people that make a capital investment 
like, you know, like an auto manufacturer, you know how they have their loans that they want to have paid off in six or seven years? Yeah, those. You know, why is it an auto manufacturer wants to give you a six or seven year loan? Or may some do eight, but why? Why is that? Because they want to get their product, they want to get their item paid for before the car goes to plowing. They want to get their item paid for before, you know, be, before things start breaking down and, and things are going to cost the consumer money. They got to get their money. They got to get their investment back. Well, they they have to get their investment back. So in capital expenditures, when you're looking at investments, you want to get your money back anywhere between, realistically, between five to eight years. That's the plan. So you want to get your money back in, in, in this period of time. So you set this up. So, um, you know, you you have a loan that goes that far. Well, solar panels cost so much and the credits you get back from your electric company are so little, literally because the cost of energy is so high, the electric bills are so high, you don't get much of a credit. Literally, it takes, it'll take with, with today's electric bills close to 15 to 20 years to pay off these panels. Now, if you, of course, you pay for them outright. Okay, now you own them, but you still... You, it's going to take you that long to get your investment back. It'll take you that long to get your investment back. That's the key. So your investment literally is almost as long as your mortgage in solar panels. So a 30-year mortgage, a 22, 25-year investment for solar panels, and you're there. But going forward from that day, those solar panels still will only produce a fraction of the electricity needed for your home. They don't produce the power you need to power your home. They just don't. That's why you can't get solar panels to work. That's why people don't want them. Because quite frankly, there's not enough of a return on them. Everyone sees it. You know, what 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 the problem with our green the Green New Deal, okay, the problem with these green cretins and their climate plans and their plans for industry, the problem with all of it is consumers don't want it because what sorts it out faster than anything else is when people say, I don't want to put my money into it. See, electric cars right now are going to be a problem for consumers because consumers they understand as these things are out there, they're hearing what this is all about. They're reading their reviews and they're talking to people that own them. And even though people that own them feel like they're saving the planet, they're saving the world, and they feel like they're doing a wonderful thing, they all have issues with them. Most people that have electric cars also have a gasoline car alongside. Most people have a gasoline car that, that they can get into and do instant travel, long distance travel. The electric car is a novelty that they have. So they can show their neighbors how they're saving our planet. Okay. So the idea with the electric car is it's sort of like today's mood ring. I mean, well, many of us remember the mood rings of the 70s. The mood rings were the rings that you put on your finger that changed colors. And they had, you know, the different colors that the ring uh, depicted when you looked at it, depicted the mood you were in. Uh, different colors like green, blue, red, whatever they were. But the mood ring was a fad. Sort of like the pet rock. But the mood rings are interesting because I remember when I was in high school, uh, a lot of kids had mood rings. They all had mood rings. And so they were the thing, okay? Well, electric cars are sort of like today's mood ring. The difference is they cost about $70,000 or $50,000. The mood ring cost a buck, okay, or whatever it was. So the bottom line is uh, electric cars are are the fad of today. And, and of course, so Biden is pushing this. And they figure, well, we'll pass laws that outlaw gas cars in 10 years or 12 years, and, and then we'll force everybody in these electric cars. Okay, well, that's, you know, that's their plan. Their plan is to force you into something that, uh, you know, te technologically is not there yet. But they're planning on it being there, so let's pass the law now. Well, what about the power grid? Forget that. We'll fix that later. The power grid. Well, yeah, 
you'll fix that later. The power grid, the insufficient power grid to power, like in California, to, to the what about the insufficient power grid to, to power nearly 20 million cars in, 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 in California? I mean, you got to be kidding me. How are, how are, how are California going to power their, their electric car when, when they have roving blackouts now over there? Think about it, folks. This is what they're, they're proposing. And yet these people, the voters of California, turn out and vote for these people who've never achieved anything, who are then passing public policy to punish all those that have achieved anything. It's really a, a real a real upside-down world, and this is what we're seeing right now. We're seeing that these people are voting. It's like it's almost like the Californians that vote for this are sort of like in like like in uh, people that that are looking for for self punishment. I mean, I'm to me it's it's bemusing that these people think that you know that they don't are there. There's no consequences for these public policies. I, I'm amazed at it. I, I can't believe anybody votes for somebody who's going to outlaw gas cars. I'm amazed at that. Amazed at that. Absolutely amazed at that. I'm amazed that when you look deeper into the people that want to outlaw the gas cars, they themselves will still own them. They themselves will fly around in their private jets. You realize a private jet, every time it goes in the air for a few hundred miles, the amount of CO2 that it puts out in the atmosphere is that of about six or seven families for three months. Or several months. Think about that, folks. Think about that, the, the climate pollutants of these people that are trying to outlaw gas cars and force suffering on many, millions and millions of Californians. This is what they are. This is the public policy we're talking about. And again, I want to shift gears on this so fast that your seatbelts grab a hold here. We're going, to, we're going to shift gears completely. These are the same people that were pushing this COVID policy. Now, don't miss that either. We had this COVID policy, and I thought was interesting was, the COVID policy is the vaccination nation, right? We want to vaccinate everybody, and uh, you know we 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 want to uh, we want to uh, vaccinate everybody because after all, that's the only way we uh, that's the only way we can uh, you know the only way we can uh, save uh, save Americans is to vaccinate everybody. So Rochelle Walensky, she resigned the CDC director back in the spring. Now she re- she resigned because I believe okay, and there's there's something to this. People that run these these jobs like the CDC, they got that's a cushy job. It really is. They got all these people to work for us. Why did she quit? Because she understood, okay, from what we've learned in the last three years that they're that they're treating COVID now with vitamin D three and zinc. They know this. She knows this. So here they are. That the investors and these pharmaceutical companies are pushing for a new a new uh, a new uh, vaccination. Okay, so they got a brand new vaccination going out. They push this brand new vaccination out for a new strain of COVID. <laughs> now, the, the interesting thing there is that you have a new strain of COVID now that was out there. They, they were late. I'm going to say it's been out there for about seven, eight months. It's certainly been out for a while as, uh, as you know, we just got the, we just had the announcement that we have a new vaccination available in September. And I'm sure I'm sure it's for a strain of COVID that only about four percent of Americans have. I mean, I mean, of all the different strains of COVID that are out there, because there's many different strains of COVID out there, the one strain that they create a vaccination for, by the way, that they tested in, they thoroughly tested in five mice. Now, see, they thoroughly tested this vaccination in five mice, so they now are dubbing this vaccination as safe 
for every American older than six months old. Now, that is the, that is the CDC of, of the United States of America, folks. That is what these, these reprobates and these, these, these mediocre, the, the mediocre talented reprobates that they put in the mediocrity that runs the government, that is what they say is sufficient. Five mice are what they tested this, this, this vaccination in. They're going to put this vaccination in the arms of people. And they know from what, I guess, and Rochelle Walensky also understood, that they, uh, you know, that the adverse reaction, the serious adverse reactions are very, very real. Now, and they also know that there's alternative treatment that's very, very effective, like vitamin D3 and, and you know, uh, and zinc. Okay, so these are things that we understand. So what's, what's compelling on all this, what's even more compelling on all this, is that when you look at what vaccinations, because I'm not anti-vax, believe me, I'm not, okay? I've been vaccinated for polio, and I've been vaccinated for measles and smallpox. And when you look at, and, and you know, I've had flu shots until recently. Yeah, I haven't had any flu shots the last three years. I don't think I trust them anymore. But but I will tell you that uh, I'm not anti-vax. So do you, there, for instance, uh, we know that the vaccinations that went out for polio and the measles and smallpox, those vaccinations that went out there, they they uh they were out there since the fifties and sixties, forties, fifties and sixties. And and I'm gonna say since in the last 50, 60 years, uh they've had, you know, I don't know, hundreds of millions of vaccinations administered. Hundreds of millions, like half a half a billion, okay, have been administered. And out of a half a billion of vaccinations, they had a whopping, I don't know, uh anywhere between six to fifteen thousand adverse reactions. Okay. Now, when you say, well, that's a lot, okay, well, not really when you look at it. I mean, I would probably submit if you had a one in a 50, if you had a 15,000, if you had, if you had chances that equated to 15,000 adverse reactions out of 500 million shots, I would say that you probably uh, have a higher risk eating breakfast in the morning and not choking to death, okay? You have a higher risk of choking to death while you eat breakfast or certainly uh, having a fatal car crash driving to the supermarket. Okay, like three miles down the road. So I, I think I think all of us would agree that the chances of having an adverse reaction to the polio shot or the smallpox or the, the measles shot, okay, the vaccination, those, the chances of an adverse reaction were less than, uh, as I stated, uh, less than uh, choking to death eating breakfast or, or uh, you know, having a, a fatal car crash on your way to the supermarket traveling 35 miles an hour. <clears throat> Folks, let me help you all, okay? When we know that the vaccinations that are out there have adverse reactions that are in the millions, and we also know that the underreporting of these adverse reactions are like tenfold, we know that just about one out of ten reported, the other nine out of ten don't. So when you understand that, and you realize there were like five million adverse reactions in this country alone, four million or three million or whatever it is, like four million. It's closer to 40 million. I should say that might, you know, might be uh, in three countries or whatever. But we know that out of out of about a half of, out of about a half a billion vaccinations. So out of the same number, okay. So in the same number of vaccinations for COVID, would bring in tens of millions of adverse reaction. Okay, you have a. I mean, that's that's pretty amazing. Okay, I mean, you think about it. Even if it's two out of a hundred or three out of a hundred, it's certainly and informed consent would tell the American looking to get that shot, look, I got a better chance at surviving 
and not getting COVID and surviving it if I did get it than I did that I didn't that I do with this vaccination. I mean, the number one adverse reaction of the COVID vaccination is getting COVID. And then, of course, there's a whole lot of other vaccination adverse reactions that are very serious, from multiple sclerosis to you know brain fog, all kinds of issues, heart disease, lung ailments, pulmonary blockages, everything. There's all kinds of problems. So we understand this, and we want that informed consent. So the CDC understands this. So I think Rochelle Walensky fully understood that they're treating COVID with D3 and zinc, and they were pushing for a new vaccination. So she said, oh, I'm not going to be a part of this. I'm not going to push for this. We don't need a new vaccination. By the time this thing gets out, by the time we're finished testing this thing, thoroughly testing it, by the way, might I add, thoroughly testing it on five mice. By the time they thoroughly test this on five mice, it'll be out in mid-September. And by then, only about four or five percent of the population will even have it. Okay, so I'm not pushing this thing. No, I'm not going to push it. No, no, I won't do it. Folks, this is what we're talking about. The same government that's pushing this, the recommending vaccination nation forever, the ones that wanted to put you out of work if you didn't get vaccinated, are the same people that want to push electric cars down our gullets, okay? That want us to that want to force us into ineffective and efficient energy. You know, it's really interesting though with this COVID vaccination. It's un- I mean unbelievably mind-boggling. And we gotta ask the question, where are the research studies? Where where is the CDC on all this research? Why don't we have any research on this? You know, why, where are they on this? And, you know, like I said, why are they pushing this? And why are they, you know, why are they, you know, calling out for, recommending this for six-month-old babies? It's unbelievable. I guess the United Kingdom is pushing this on their people and their population over 65 or 70. <clears throat> but But everybody else is saying you don't need it. You know, years ago, it used to be when you went to the doctor, uh, you know, a child, you would go to the, a parent would take their kid to the doctor and they would say, what do you think, doctor? Does this kid need a shot? Does this kid need a shot? Does my son need a shot? Or my daughter need a shot to get over this ailment? The doctor would say something like, uh, no, not necessary. I, I think that your child will overcome this on their own, give them plenty of good food and good and plenty of water and plenty to drink. They will overcome this on their own and they'll be healthier for it. Um, versus, uh, giving them a shot and having something else that might happen. We, let's let nature take its course. They'll be fine. And plenty of rest, plenty of food and water and, and drink, and they'll be fine. That used to be what happened. Today, I mean, honestly, the government's inserted itself. So the same government that wanted to outlaw your private health care insurance is the same government that wanted to insert itself between you and your doctor with regards to this vaccination. It's the same government that wants to outlaw electric cars. I should say outlaw gas cars in this country and force you into electric cars. It's the same the same public policy makers out there that, you know, want to pass this the same public policy of, you know, of 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 uh, you know, uh, allowing children to have selective surgeries, okay, uh, because they think that they are confused and gender-wise and they don't know what they want to do, so they can go have a selective surgery, maim maim and mar themselves up without mom and dad knowing about it. Some States, I think California, well, I know Oregon and California, Washington passed a law preventing parents from interfering with it. I believe a, a federal judge in California had just uh, said something against that. I don't know. I don't have all my, my information on that. But I know that the state governments passed laws to do this. And they're trying to get people to do this. So they're trying to get 
these laws on the books. They're trying to to uh, silence the parental rights laws that are already on the books. That's the facts, okay? Now, uh, you know, these are the same people, like I said, that, that want to put Kamala Harris, okay, Kamala Harris in charge of the... Uh, the new gun czar, if you will, because she handled the border czar so well. So they want to put her in charge of that. I mean, I thought what was interesting is oh, Biden is blaming Trump. I guess uh, he was at the, uh, the the Congressional Hispanic Caucus Institute's annual gala, and he's claiming Republicans have undermined his border security policies despite hundreds of thousands of illegal migrants crossing the country daily under his term. He blames MAGA Republicans you know, uh, gutting immigration system under my predecessor. He's absolutely out of his mind. I mean, people people know this. There's an open border down there. You know, he knows we need the Republicans to act, be a bipartisan issue in this country. What does he want bipartisan? We need everyone to agree to change the laws, to eliminate the laws. He's not enforcing the laws at the border. It's as simple as that. We have a border policy. We have a border policy. He's not enforcing it. We have laws that he's not enforcing. What's amazing to me is the Supreme Court is not forcing him to enforce the, the laws. That's his job, to enforce the laws. What's amazing is who can force him to do it besides the Supreme Court? Well, the voters. But the voters aren't seeing this as him not as supporting and enforcing the laws. That's what it is. See, the American public does not see O. Biden as not enforcing the laws that are on the books, and that's why we have open borders. They're seeing O'Biden as being, because the media is out there putting this out there, they're calling on O'Biden as, well, he's a humanitarian, he's allowing these suffering people to come over the border, you know, and he's allowing them to, whatever, okay, which amazing phenomenon is, we've had 15 million people come over the border illegally since he's been there. Not to mention, we've got uncountless, countless amounts of drugs and it, it, illegal drugs and illegal substances coming over the border every day. Okay, which are, which are uh, bringing the bringing uh, coming to bringing the past the demise of hundreds of thousands of Americans with overdoses. You know, the Democrat-led administration has taken a victory lap, saying its border plan is working as intended. So he's saying his border plan is working as intended. Well, that is a truth that we know. Oh, Biden says everything's going as according to plan. Well, we know that. They plan to overwhelm the states and plague the nation with human trafficking. That's what they did. And deadly drugs such as fentanyl and sky-high crime from these these illegal migrants that are coming in. So, yes, their plan worked. Their plan worked, okay? Their plan worked fine. You know, honestly, it's just amazing. They, 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 They choose not to have remain in Mexico. They choose to transport people and take care of their legal costs. They choose to take care of their trauma costs. They, they choose to take care of their lodging, their food, and everything else. This is what they this is what they've chosen to do. You know, according to the Customs and Border Protection sources, more than eighty five hundred of the ten thousand encountered were apprehended by agents <clears throat> attempting illegal entry, and more than sixteen hundred were met at ports of entry. But the the oh, Biden's administration announced that. 472,000 of these people will be eligible for temporary protected status, whatever that means. So now he wants to say, well, we got a bunch of Venezuelans coming over. We want to make sure they have protected status. So let's just add to the crisis, right? This is his border crisis, okay? Make no mistake. And he's, this is all self-induced. It's all self-induced. See, since, since early 2021, we've witnessed somewhere between 7 to 8 million entries 
coming across the, the now non-existent southern border. The more the border vanished, the more federal immigration law was rendered inert. And, and the more Homeland Security uh, uh, Alex, uh, Director Alejandro Mayorkas spun fantasies that the border's secure. Oh, it's secure. Well, he's now written off as a, a veritable Baghdad Bob propagandist, I would say. But but how and why did the Biden administration destroy immigration laws? We knew it. See, the Trump administration's initial efforts to close the border have been continually obstructed in Congress. On uh, Congress, it was sabotaged by the administrative state, and it was stymied in the courts. And but whatever the case is, it had finally secured the border by 2020. Yet almost all of its successful initiatives were immediately overturned in 2021. The wall was abruptly stopped. Its projected trajectory was canceled. The Obama-era disastrous cancer release policy of immigration non-enforcement was resurrected. And prior successful pressure on Mexico's President uh, Andres Lopez Obrador to stop the deliberate export of his own citizens northward ceased. So the border... Federal Border Patrol officers were forced to stand down. And then, you know, you had new federal subsidies were granted to entice and then support the illegal arrivals. No one in the Democrat Party objected to the destruction of the border or the subversion of immigration law. However, we all know things change somewhat. Once swamped, you know, the, what, what, once the, the once swamped southern border states began to the bus or fly a few thousand of these of these illegal immigrants northward to the to sanctuary city jurisdictions like New York City, Chicago, or Martha's Vineyard. See the sanctuary city humanists there who who greenlighted illegal immigration into the southern states suddenly shriek because now they're in their yards, they're in their neighborhoods. Okay, uh, now they're they're irate after experiencing the concrete consequences of their own prior abstract border agenda so now they're 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 reeking if you will they're 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 reaping the benefit if you will i should say the consequences of their horrible policy okay and uh it's always it was always supposed to fall upon distant and, and, and ridicule others but it was never supposed to fall on themselves you know new york mayor eric adams recently he went from celebrating a few dozen illegal immigrants busting the manhattan to blasting the democrats by allowing tens of thousands to swamp his now bankrupt city. You know, so why did Biden, well, why did he deliberately unleash the largest influx across the southern border? Why, why did he do that? Why did he do that? Okay. Why did the Democrat Party elites, you know, need new new constituents, <clears throat> given, their, <clears throat> given their increasingly unpopular agendas? So do they think they're new voters for them? Is that what they think? Is it that they fear that, that the more uh, legal, uh, the more legal immigrants assimilated and integrated in the American society, the less happy they became with their left-wing radical, whatever their radical uh, uh, plan is, whether it be abortion or, or or crime or green fixations or whatever. But the Democrat grandees, if you will, had had always bragged that illegal immigration would create what they called the new Democratic majority and. In um in demography and basically uh demography is destiny. It was a fashion. It's sort of like it's a new fashion. They wanted to create this new fashion. So now they slander critics, and that's what they do. They go after them. They they call them names and racists or whatever, and they they object to left wing efforts to 
to use illegal immigration to turn southwestern red states blue. And that's the whole point. You know, now Mexico, they, 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 they cannot survive as a modern state without some $60 billion in annual remittances sent by, by America. So, however, many illegal immigrants rely on American state and federal entitlements to free up cash to send home. So Mexico encourages its own, uh, you know, abject, poor, and often indigenous people from southern Mexico to head north as a safety valve of sorts, if you will. The government sees these mass exoduses, they see it northward as preferable to the oppressed marching on Mexico City to address grievances of poverty and racism. Yeah. The criminal cartels now de facto, they, they run Mexico. They all run it. An open border allows them to ship illegal drugs north. They earn billions in profits and they kill hundreds of thousands of Americans every year. These these uh, illegal immigrants, they pay cartels additional billions to facilitate their own crossings. And don't forget American corporate employers. You know, record labor non-participation followed the COVID breakdown, the COVID lockdown. And in reaction to the to American workers that, you know, the, the plight of American workers, the hospitality, meatpacking, the social service, healthcare, and farming industries were desperate to hire new and far cheaper labor. So human rights activists insist that the borders themselves are 19th century relics <clears throat> and, the, and the global poor and oppressed thus have human right to enter the affluent West by any means necessary. So, I mean, this is what they have. They, these, these, these elitists pontificate on the assurance that thousands of you know, unaudited illegal immigrants will never enter their own enclaves or, or campuses. So, okay, well, that's happening. And uh, it really is. And they see it. And, you know, it, it's, it's what they have. And, again, they, they don't have background checks. No, they don't have vaccinations or health audits. They, <clears throat> there's legality questions, high school diploma issues, English faculty they can't even speak the language, skill sets, <clears throat> or capital, and, and the result is an abject catastrophe. That's what you're seeing. Polls continue to show that the American people support measured, diverse, legal, merit, uh, uh, merit, uh, basically uh, merit-based immigration, such as much as what the Democrats oppose, uh, what, as much as what I, mean, I think Americans oppose is mass immigration into their country. They oppose mass illegal immigration. They they support diverse legal and merit-based immigration. Now, the loss of American sovereignty on the, on the border is what we're looking at. These people understand what the Biden administration doesn't. That no nation is is no nation in history has survived once its borders were destroyed. No nation has. Once its citizenships were was rendered no different from from mere residents, and once its neighbors. With, with impunity to undermine its sovereignty. Ending illegal immigration, folks, it really is, and it depends solely on American people overriding the corrupt special interests. It depends on the American people voting out these people who don't enforce immigration laws. And this is what it comes down to. I talked about it. There's laws on the books right now to protect our borders, protect our sovereignty. Those laws are being undermined every day. Every day. They're not being enforced. They're not being. They're not. They're being undermined. They're being. They're. They're pretending those laws don't exist. That's the reality, folks. That's what you're. That's what you're looking at. That's what you're looking at. You know, when Biden blames Trump, I think that's a laugh. I think it's a laugh <clears throat> that he's blaming Trump for for open borders is a laugh. Absolutely a laugh. And he's not going to get anywhere with that. You know, like I said, I think it's interesting. 
while while he's staggering around trying to put Kamala Harris in charge of the gun czar ship, if you will, uh, Trump's going to be talking to the to the to the auto workers, okay, and why they should be thinking about voting Republican this time around again. Because after all, <clears throat> the Democrat Party has truly abandoned these people. The Democrat Party has abandoned the, the working American middle class. They've, they've abandoned them. And we can see this in the border policies. We can see this in the COVID vaccination policies. We can see this in the trade policies. We can see this in every policy out there. We can see this in their they're, they're, they're wanting to eliminate private health care. We see this all over the place. We see this all. I remember back when they were doing this private health care and they were trying to outlaw private health care. They were offering considerations to the to the uh, Cadillac plan health care. They were saying, well, they could survive, but people have to be taxed on them. But some people can keep them and not be taxed. So they were they were about ready to write in all their, all their exceptions, okay, which I thought was interesting. So the Democrats came out there eliminating private health care, except with this or except with that or except for this or except for that. So some people were going to lose private health care and others weren't. I thought that was interesting. That's the way the Democrats are. Okay. They're the ones that want, they, they, they want to be the ones to, to pick the winners and pick the losers. They want to force Americans into something, even though it's a losing proposition. Well, folks, we got to leave it there. Thanks to all of our listeners for tuning in today and being with us on this beautiful well, I should say on this Saturday afternoon, I should say Saturday morning, right here on AM Radio 11 AWFYL. It won't be very nice for long. It's a nice enough morning right now, but it'll it'll uh, darken up as we get the rain to come in this weekend. But brighter skies are on the way tomorrow. I should say on the way next week. Folks, we got a great show lined up later today for the Watchmen. Tune in for that later on today. We'll be talking about that and getting into that as well as we reintroduce more truth and inject more truth into the into the uh, to the discussion points here in Southeast Pennsylvania and Delaware Valley. Thanks for being with us today. See you next week on The Point. I'm Clay Brees. Goodbye for now.